With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and today is going to be one of those solo editions of the Glory UGA Podcast featuring yours truly, As I mentioned last week briefly, Curtis just started a new job last week where he'll be traveling and kind of out of pocket a little bit more every now and then, and they actually put him right to work this week. So uh, he is out of town until Friday, and we just could not quite make our respective schedules work to where we would be free at the same time so that we could record together. But he will be back next week uh, for sure, and there is a slight chance that he could call in for the last few minutes of the preview show to give his thoughts and picks Uh, for Friday's preview show. Uh, Our free time on Thursday overlaps by about 10 to 15 minutes when we would normally uh, be recording, so hopefully we'll be able to get him on for at least a few minutes at that time. I'm also working on a potential special guest for a mailbag show tomorrow. I can't guarantee that. can't guarantee there will be a mailbag show tomorrow, but I am working on it trying to get that done. Uh, Today, however, you are rolling with me. The plan is to get four shows produced this week. I'm going to do my best here trying to work this out without Curtis in town. Uh, The final uh, two shows on Thursday and Friday, the plan is for those to be subscriber shows only. So if you're not subscribed, make sure to go to Podbean and do so so that you can get access to all of our premium content. Uh, Today, uh, we are going to take one more in-depth look back at the South Carolina game. We did the recap show on Sunday night and posted that. But I had to travel back from Columbia that day, and, had, and I really had not had too much of a chance to really go back and break down the film of the game. I watched it through one time, uh, but didn't get to go through it with a fine-tooth, fine-tooth comb like I really like to. Uh, normally, when I go back and watch, rewatch the games, I watch it back about three to four times, focusing on different position groups each time. Uh, we also had some technical, technical difficulties on Sunday. That really kind of cut into our time, so we had to rush through more than we would have liked and really maybe did not get into as much detail as we normally would for a game of that magnitude. So for the past few days, kind of make up for that, uh, I've been re-watching that game, the South Carolina game, in an attempt to put together a more detailed game breakdown of how we destroyed South Carolina and put them in their place. Uh, if you guys have been following us and listen to, listening to our show for a while, especially over the summer. You might remember that I did this with the Rose Bowl and SEC Championship games over the summer as part of our 2017 uh, uh, review series. And I got a great response from a lot of you guys. And I, I really wish I could do this for every game. I do. Trust me, I do. I love breaking down the, the film in this much detail. But it does take a lot of man hours to put together this detail of a breakdown. The Rose Bowl game took me a little bit longer because that went into overtime. That one took me uh, 14, 15 hours or so. But on average, it takes me about 10 to 12 hours to put to uh, put together one of these shows. So I can't guarantee with that kind of time commitment that it requires. I can't guarantee that I'll do this for every game, but I will do it for as many as I can. You know, A game like the Missouri game when I'm having to drive back home 13 hours from Columbia, Missouri – that might be a little tough to do one of these shows, but I will do it for as many as I possibly can. And the purpose of a show like this, for those of you who haven't heard us do one of these before, is to kind of go beyond the service and not just tell you what happened in the game, because you all saw what happened, but more so explain how and why it happened. The how and the why, the 
X's and O's. It's the game within the game. And I'm going to do my best to narrate narrate through the game, drive by drive, play by play, highlighting the how and the why from a schematic and technical point of view. Now, I do recognize this might be a little too technical for some people. Uh, and I apologize if it is, if it's not your cup of tea. I do apologize for that. But I also know there are a lot of you out there that do love talking to X's and O's as much as I do. So if you like this show, make sure to subscribe to Podbean today because this is the only game breakdown show of this type that will be posted for free. We appreciate all of our listeners, uh, subscribers, those of you listeners on SoundCloud, iTunes. We appreciate all of you taking time to support our show. We definitely really appreciate our subscribers. So they're doing a great job really helping us kind of keep this thing running, keep us afloat while we're trying to work things out with vSport O. But we want to give everyone a free sample. For those of you who have not had a chance to listen to us do one of these shows, we want to give you a free sample uh, to kind of get a taste for what it's like. But all future shows like this, these detailed game breakdowns, will be reserved exclusively for our subscribers on Podbean. So if you want to get access to them, if you enjoy this show, simply go to our Twitter page, at Glory underscore UGA. Click on the link in our profile. It'll take you directly to our Podbean page. Uh, and if you are on, if you do this on the computer, on the right side of the screen, there will be a yellow Buy Now button. You click on that, pops up a little window for you. You just fill in your information real quick. Uh, and boom, you're, you are subscribed. You have access to all of our premium content. That whole process takes about a minute or so. If you're doing it on a mobile site, you just, again, go to Twitter, click on our uh, the link on our profile, and then you can just scroll down a little bit on the mobile page, and then you'll see, again, that yellow Buy Now button. You click, you follow the same steps, phone your information, boom, minute or two, and you are set. You don't even have to have an account. It sets you right up. It creates an account for you right then when you put on your information. So definitely, uh, if you enjoy it, Check us out on Podbean. Subscribe today. But uh, all right, with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and dig into today's show. Again, this is going to be a very detailed breakdown of the game in Columbia against South Carolina. We're going to take a drive-by-drive and pretty much play-by-play here. We're going to start off, obviously, in the first quarter. Uh, South Carolina uh, ended up getting the ball and their first drive to open the game, they come out, you guys all saw this, they come out in five wides. They did not have a running back in the game or in the backfield with Jake Bentley for any of the five, was it five plays in this drive. So they come out in five wide. We're actually in base personnel with two deep safeties. An interesting look uh, considering the personnel that they put out on the field. Now, obviously, we probably did not anticipate them going with five wide to open the game like this. But uh, in our base personnel, DeAndre Walker on the first play, first and 10, he splits out wide to help cover the trips uh, to the boundary. We're pl- we are playing a zone here like I, I thought we would do a lot of because I did not feel comfortable, and I'm sure our coaches I, I did not feel very comfortable with our inside linebackers trying to man up on the uh, the really good wide receiver core of South Carolina for too much throughout that game. So we are playing zone this first down play. They run a little triangle route combo uh, to the boundary with the trip side there. They hit the curl man in our zone coverage for eight yards. So a nice solid start for them there, but nothing too too terrible for us there. It's not going to kill us there. It's eight yards, so it's now second and two. And they actually run the exact same triangle route combo with uh, with the trips to the boundary. Basically, the route combo that they're using here in these first two plays is they run the, the inside wide receiver to the flat, the middle wide receiver to the shallow cross, and the outside wide receiver 
uh, which in this case was Debo Samuel, he runs the curl. This time, uh, they try to go to the curl route with Debo Samuel. We are in man coverage this time, so we're switching up on the first two plays. DeAndre Baker has Debo Samuel man coverage like he had throughout most of the game. He breaks on it, makes a great play. It's incomplete. It's third and two. So now in third and two, we actually run a, little, a stunt game, a little stunt action up front. We get some pressure on Bentley. We kind of get in his face there, but and Walker is breaking free on an inside move. DeAndre Walker is breaking free on an inside move there. He forces Bentley to get rid of it, kind of off his back foot. It's really an ill-advised throw. It's not a great throw. Actually, he ends up throwing this ball out of bounds. Uh, DeAndre Baker, again, is matched up man-to-man on Debo Samuel, their number one wide receiver. Uh, and it's, he's an, an aggressive press man coverage to the boundary there. And Baker, look, I mean, to his credit, he is getting physical. But it's a little too physical here. Uh, and he get, ends up getting th- uh, flagged for the passing interference. Now, I thought this was a terrible call. I thought it was a terrible call live at the game. I thought it was a terrible call when I went back and watched it every single time I've watched it because that ball in no way was catchable. If if DeAndre Baker is playing 15 yards off of Debo Samuel, giving him 15 yards cushion, Debo Samuel cannot make that play. There's no way he makes that play. Terrible call, but whatever. Referees are what they are. They're terrible at their job. Uh, so they, they throw the flag, and they get a cheap first down. So now it's first and 10. They come out again, five wide. Nobody beside Jake Bentley there in the backfield. You can see they're trying to attack our young, inexperienced secondary, which is what everyone was concerned about coming into the game. We had a lot of talent, but it was young. It was inexperienced, and they thought that they were great at wide receiver. You have a veteran quarterback, so we're just going to attack that Georgia uh, secondary, especially with the crowd behind you, and we're just going to we're just going to run roughshod over them. Well, as we all know, it didn't really turn out that way, but early on, you can see that's what they were thinking. That's what Brian McClendon was thinking at this point. So they're in five wides again, first and 10. On this play, they try to hit Brian Edwards, their number two receiver, who was their number one receiver last year when Debo went out. And Edwards is a great receiver in his own right. Goes for over 100 yards in this game. Uh, but a lot of that was because we were focusing so much attention on Debo Samuel. But on this play, they try to hit Edwards on a shallow cross. Again, attacking our inside linebackers, trying to get the ball in these crossing routes like I fully expected them to. If you guys listen to the preview show for this game, I fully expected them to try to run a bunch of crossing routes, uh, get the running backs involved, uh, maybe get the tight ends involved across them, do whatever they could to try to attack and exploit our inside linebackers in man coverage if we were willing to try to risk putting those guys in man coverage. However, in this case, it's a poor throw. Uh, Bentley throws it way too hard. No touch on the ball whatsoever. It's a tad bit high as well. So it goes through Edwards' hands. It's deflected up in the air by Monty Rice. And Tyler Clark, and he is hustling back to, towards the play. And he just barely misses the interception. He leaps for the ball and just barely falls down in front of his outstretched fingers. So now it's 2nd and 10. On this play, uh, South Carolina tries to hit Rico Dowdle in the flat to the boundary. We are in his zone coverage. Uh, we've got uh, DeAndre Walker floating out there into the flats to the boundary. The ball basically bounces right off Rico Dowdle, the running back. It bounces right off his face mask, right off his hands. It bounces in the air. DeAndre Baker is in zone. He breaks on the ball. He picks it off. And as we all know, he takes it to the house. And the Georgia section in the, in the stadium there where I was is going freaking bananas. I was about to lose it here because I'm not going to lie. I was very nervous coming to this game because I've just been to this stadium and seen us just wet the bed too many times. I loved our talent. I thought we were the better team. So when this play happens and we get this pick six, man, when you like Kirby says, when you score a defense a touchdown, man, your, your percentage of chances of winning goes up about 80 90%. So I am flipping out. I'm pumped up. South Carolina is momentarily stunned. Now there's a lot of ball left to play. I'm sitting here telling my wife, I'm, uh, after I kind of stopped freaking out for a second, I said, all right, there's a lot of ball left. There's a lot of ball left. There's a lot of game left here. It's not, it's not in the game by any stretch of the imagination. But it is the early silencer, and it grabs 
the momentum, and we really don't relinquish it uh, for throughout the rest of the game. So seven nothing after the first drive, after South Carolina's first drive, get the pick six. South Carolina obviously gets the ball back. Again, Rodrigo Blankenship for the second time kicks the ball back out of the back of the end zone. So uh, Debo Samuel, one of the, the premier return men in the game, does not get a chance to even put his hands on the football. So in the second drive of the game for South Carolina, it's first and 10. Now they decide in the second drive to bring in a running back into the game. They go with trips to the field. We got Michael Barnett in the game at a th- at the three-tech position in an even front uh, in this play, now Barnett was a little up and down this game. He did some good things, for sure he did. But on this particular play, he gets driven off the ball about five yards by a double team where they're trying to work up to the second level. But fortunately for us, Richard LeCount, in what will become a theme all day long, he comes flying up from his center field position to make the play and limit the game to five yards. Now, five yards is too much on any running play, but it could have been a lot more if we don't have Richard LeCount and his ability to cover so much ground so quickly and come up there and make the play relatively in the box. So it's second and five. We got Tyler Clark and Barnett here working a little inside stunt on second and five, and they blow up the run for a two-yard loss. So nice play there. Barnett kind of makes, uh, kind of redeems himself a little bit after getting blown up the ball on first down. Now it's third and seven. This is where we want them to be. We want them to be, and we want any team to be in third and long, especially a team like South Carolina that doesn't really have a, a dominant offensive line that can hold up too well in pass protection. So on third and seven, we're playing coverage. We actually only rushed three on this play by my account. And there's no one open. Uh, and so Bentley drops off to Rico Dowdle, who drops it, second drop in as many, uh, many as many opportunities. It probably would have been a first down. Uh, Jawan Taylor's kind of trailing in coverage there. He could slip for a second. But uh, Taylor may have been able to get him. But I would say it probably would have been a first down if Dowdle catches it. But fortunately for us, he drops the ball. So they punt. We get the ball back. Or we get the ball for the first time. We come out. With our first offensive possession in 10 personnel, which is one running back, no tight ends, and four wide receivers. If you hear me talk about the personnel, the first number, the in the like the 10, the one, that is the number of running backs in the game. The second number, the zero here in this case, and Tim, is the number of tight ends. You're gonna have five skilled players on the field at any given time. So if you have one running back, no tight ends, that means you've got four receivers. If it's 11 personnel, you got one running back, you got one tight end, that means you've got three receivers. If it's old school 12 personnel or 21 personnel, where you got like say 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, two receivers. You only have five of those. So you just do the math and it, it, it kind of makes sense there. So we come out with 10 personnel. We're splitting them out a little bit here with four wide receivers. We go play action. We hit Tyler Simmons on the curl for 12 yards. Simmons is doing a really nice job for us uh, so far through this season. Does a really nice job, obviously, in the perimeter run game. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as the game wears on. But he's also, this guy's a really fast receiver, uh, former track guy. Not the not the tallest guy in the world, but he's, he got, he's kind of got a, a running back build, more or less. So I think he's a guy that can really do a lot of good things for us. Started the first two games here uh, with Terry Godwin coming back from the injury. Then on second down, or I on the second play of the drive, now first down against, first and 10, we see Jason Stanley come in. He initially lines up at running back behind Fromm, but we then motion a couple of guys. We motion Stanley to the boundary wide receiver. Now, when I see this, I'm screaming in the stands because this is a dead giveaway. I'm telling my wife, toss to the left, toss to the left, toss to the left. Because when Stanley comes in a game like this, it's a dead giveaway that it's a toss sweep wherever he is. In this case, he's in the boundary. It's a toss sweep in the boundary because he is an expert crack artist. I mean, he just cracks people to death. So it, as I as I thought, it was a toss sweep in the boundary. And the safety comes up and runs support after the motion pre-snap and is able to make the play and hold it down to a two-yard gain. So it's second in, in second and eight here. Uh 
On second eight, we've got Miko Harbin stacked behind Riley Ridley to the field. There's only one defender out there uh, because they have eight defenders within six yards line of scrimmage in order to account for our run game. So this is a pre-snap RPO. There's pre-snap RPOs and there's post-snap RPOs. And with a post-snap RPO, once the ball is snapped, the quarterback has his eyes on a specific defender. It might be a linebacker. It could be a safety. It could be a, a star player, you know, the, the slot defender. It could be anyone like that. It just depends on who you're trying to target. And basically with a post-snap RPO, you're looking at that one defender. If they play run, because the line is blocking run on every RPO, if, if they come aggressively downhill towards the run then you pull it and you throw the ball into the area that they voided in pass coverage and there should be a receiver right there now if they stay back in in coverage and don't attack the run then you got numbers advantage of the box and you hand the ball off the quarterback is making a read off of one player that's a post-snap rpo now in a pre-snap rpo you look at the alignment of the defense in this case we've got two receivers out wide uh, and we so we got Miko stacked behind Ridley. There's only one defender out there on two on two receivers. So in the pre-snap RPO, our line is still blocking run. To them, it's a run call. It's always a run call for the offensive line in an RP, with an RPO. But with a pre-snap RPO from Caesar, he's got two on one out there. He likes our numbers advantage, so he just take basically takes the ball, takes a step back, throws it out to Miko, and boom, you've got you've got some room out there. Uh, Ridley has a great block on this play, and Miko is off the races for a gain of 30, and then we tack on another 15 yards for a late hit. And again, this is a perfect example of what our run game does, and really what the modern RPO scheme does for, for teams that can run the football in the passing game, how, kind of how you work the passing game off of what you're able to do in the run game. And we use plays like this as constraint plays to loosen the box and allow us to have room to really do what we want to do, and that is clearly to run the football. That's our core ideology, our core belief, our core identity. We want to run the football, but to allow us to do that effectively, we have to run constraint plays like this that make defenses play honest. It's the old cliche, they're going to have to pick their poison, and we're going to make them pick it play after play. Uh, So now, after a big play there, it's first and 10. We run an outside zone play to the field. We seal the edge with Nauta. Simmons with an outstanding block on this play uh, on the left side there. And their safety takes a horrible angle. I believe it was Steven Montauk. He takes a horrible angle to the ball, just like I told you guys they were apt to do in the preview show. And DeAndre Swift is able to get the edge. He walks into the end zone untouched for the 17-yard touchdown. Uh... It's a four-play, 76-yard opening drive for us, and we are up 14-0, and that crowd is silent. They are silent. You can see it. They they don't believe now. They believed early. Now they're like, oh, God, maybe we aren't what we thought we were, which is what we've been telling them for months and months and months now. But they finally got – sometimes people just have to learn things the hard way, and South Carolina was learning it the hard way. But a really great job here on the, on the perimeter blocking by, by Isaac Nada. And uh, also Andrew Thomas as well, and then you, of course Tyler Simmons out there with a key block on the uh, on the corner to free up and spring DeAndre Swift for the 17-yard touchdown. So we're at 14 nothing. Again, Rodrigo Blankenship, like he did all day long, kicks the ball to the back of the end zone, does not give Debo Samuel a chance to put his hands on the ball. And with South Carolina's third drive of the first half, this time they come out with two backs. So the first drive they come out with no backs on any plays. Second drive they come out with uh, with one back. Uh, really 10 personnel with a couple plays with 11 personnel they had a tight end there would kill Pollard but now they're coming out with two backs in the backfield and we've got base personnel out there with Tyler Clark and a five tech Tyler Clark's the guy that we're able to move around depending on what the opponent is doing and what we're trying to accomplish he played three technique which I think is probably his best position we can also play play out there at the five can also play a little bit of nose as as a one gap nose guard 
I think he has a lot of positional versatility for us up front on the, on the defensive line, which is a, makes him very, very valuable. Uh, so they run a little inside zone play here on first down. Tyler Clark comes. He plays off the block of the right tackle, playing off the five tech to stop the run for a gain of one. It really is essentially, to me, I thought he stopped this play in the backfield. They gave him one yard on forward momentum. But guys, this is another example of what I've been telling anyone who will listen. I've been telling people, anyone who will listen to me, that this dude, Tyler Clark, has become an absolute beast for us up front. He has an incredible motor. He plays nonstop while he's out there. He doesn't play every snap because when he's out there, he plays nonstop. He does a great job playing with leverage. He gets his hands on defenders, uses his hands very well. He's very violent with his hand usage, very strong. He anchors well. He's very quick off the ball with it, with his first step. This is a guy who I think is as good as any defensive lineman in the SEC. I know he's a different kind of guy than like Raquan Davis, but man, I'd put him up against a guy like Derrick Brown any day of the week. Derrick Brown, guys that get all the pub, but Tyler Clark is just as good as any of those guys, and I'm here to tell you that right now. So it's second and nine. Uh, again, they're going to challenge DeAndre Baker, a preseason all-SEC corner. Challenge DeAndre Baker to the boundary with Debo Samuel. Uh, Baker's playing over the top here, so they go back shoulder. Now, this is the second time in the first three jives that DeAndre Baker gets called for a pass interference call. The first one I thought was a terrible, horrific call. There's no way that ball was catchable. This one, however, was a legit call. He's playing over the top. He sees the Debo kind of go for the back shoulder, and he kind of grabs his left arm there. So he's playing physical again, but he's in good position. It's not like he's gotten beat. Uh, in fact, he's he's over the top, so we're trying to take that back shoulder. So I don't have a terrible problem with this one at all. He's playing physical. He's doing what he's asked to do. I'd rather I'd much rather be physical in this press man coverage than than uh, than otherwise, and just kind of let Debo go out there and do whatever he wants and kind of manhandle him. So he gets the pass interference. They get the ball first and ten. This time they bring. Uh, Debo Samuel in motion. They run a little pop pass to him where the quarterback just takes the ball and kind of pops it forward. It's technically a pass, so if he drops it, then it's an incomplete pass, and you don't have to worry about trying to hand the ball off there with the mesh point and the receiver coming with such velocity down the line like that. It could easily turn to a fumble, so a little pop pass. But no one, absolutely no one, inexplicably, no one blocks DeAndre Walker, who absolutely eats up Debo Samuel for a loss of four. So a big tackle for loss there. This is truly great scouting on this play. DeAndre Walker sees it from the get-go. His eyes, when he sees Debo Samuel go in motion, you know, you can see our coaches have coached these guys up and did a heck of a job, and our players took the coaching. They know what to do. When, you see, when Walker sees Samuel go in motion, he knows what's coming. He knows. He plays it aggressively. He sees him go in motion, and he knows what his responsibility is, and he plays it perfectly here and gets the tackle for a loss. Now, at second and 14, on this play, uh, David Marshall actually bats the ball. He deflects the ball at the line of scrimmage. Could have potentially been another interception on a play like that, but for South Carolina, fortunately, it falls for them. Fortunately for them, it falls into Brian Edwards's hands for a gain of ten yards. Just a kind of a lucky bounce for them there. So it's third and four on this play. They throw to the boundary flat for just enough to get the first down and keep the chains moving. So you got the ball first and ten again on this first down play. They try to get a little bit of the run game going. They run a little inside zone, but we are running another inside stunt with Tyler Clark and Michael Barnett, and again, not much doing, only a gain of two short yards, so it's second and eight. Now they come out with trips to the field, and we are in our nickel package. We got William Poole out there starting at the nickel back position. We bring Jawan Taylor on a blitz up the gut, and he is clearly held in the A-gap. He's clearly held in the A-gap. But, of course, referees don't call it because why would they? Uh, and then we've got Tyson Campbell in press man coverage to the boundary. Um, they throw the comeback to Ortre Smith 
in front of Campbell there for the first down. So Campbell's trying to stay over the top. You can, still, you can kind of see our game plan here. We were trying to stay over the top and prevent the big play in this game and, and make them kind of just dink and dunk their way down the field methodically. So they throw the comeback to Ortray Smith. They kind of take what we're giving them, and they get the first down in the second and eight plays. So and now it's first and ten again. They challenge Campbell once again, challenge the youngster out there in his second career start, first big start in a road environment like this. But Bentley, like, he's just not even close in this play. I mean, the ball is just not even close to being completed. So it's second and 10. On this play, we bring Tyson Campbell on a cornerback blitz from the boundary. Uh, we replace him with Richard LeCount coming from the safety position. And uh, to his credit, Jake Bentley sees the blitz. He, he flings the ball out there to Edwards. Uh, but LeCount is there. He's on time, and he makes an outstanding tackle in space against Brian Edwards to limit the gain to four yards. And Brian Edwards is a good receiver guy. He's a big physical guy, too, can break tackles. And Richard LeCount brings the guy down, does exactly what he's supposed to do. And that's one of the toughest things to do in, for, for defensive players is to tackle skill players, elite skill players skill players like that in space to bring them down in those situations. But, Cam, or, but uh, LeCount does a great job there. So now it's third and six. They run a little mesh route here. I was going insane in the stands because Tyson Campbell gets blatantly picked by Tyson Williams running back. They run a little mesh right here with receivers are crossing each other. They're trying to pick our defense, our uh, DBs there. And Tyson Campbell doesn't even pretend he's trying to run around. He just flat out puts a shoulder straight into Tyson Campbell. So I'm screaming offensive pass interference, offensive pass interference. And the receivers see, the, the referees see it too. To get to their credit, they see it and they throw the flag. But after talking about it, they pick the flag up because apparently, at the game, they didn't show the replay, so I couldn't really see it there, but I watched it when I got back home, and it was indeed a legal play because Brian Edwards catches it just inches behind the line of scrimmage, which makes those pick plays perfectly legal if they catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage, so it ends up being a 13-yard gain. So they've got a big first down here uh, on a third and long situation, so it's first and 10. On this play, they run the option to the boundary, but dude, what are you thinking, South Carolina? What are you thinking when Richard LeCount is out there manning the middle of the field for us? LeCount reads it immediately, and it be, and he immediately transforms himself into a heat-seeking missile from that deep safety position to stop the play for a gain of one. I mean, he again, it's another example. I keep saying this, but it's true. Watch how many times this dude comes from outside the frame, and he is just screaming towards the ball carrier and brings the wood. So, I mean, to me, it's just a matter of time until people begin to catch on to how good and how talented Richard LeCount is. This guy is the real deal. He's got all-American talent written all over him. And he just covers so much ground. He brings the wood. He's able to bring guys down in space. I just think the sky is the limit for this guy. So it's now second and nine. Debo Samuel comes in motion towards the field. Now based on scouting, again, really good coaching here, really good scouting, this triggers J.R. Reed to come flying towards line of scrimmage pre-snap to take away the fly sweep. We want to take away Debo Samuel first and foremost. That's their number one playmaker. He's the guy that makes, he's, he's the straw that stirs that dream for South Carolina. Well, Debo gets the ball. And obviously this draws everyone's attention, including Tyson Campbell, who is supposed to be covering Brian Edwards uh, and this is, but he doesn't. He kind of comes rushing towards Debo Samuel because our coaches coach him up to do that. Now, he obviously, if, if his guy's still running a route, you got to be on that guy. Let the other else do their job. You do your job. And this is a fresh mistake. And I got to give Brian McClendon, the offensive coordinator for South Carolina, credit for this because he saw on that first time they tried to bring Debo Samuel in motion early in the drive when uh, DeAndre Walker gets him for a four yard tackle for loss. He saw how aggressively we were playing that. So this time, bring him in motion again, have the same action, but instead of Samuel running the football, he's going to pull it and he's going to throw the football to a wide open Brian Edwards in the back of the end zone because we were playing so aggressively once we saw Samuel come in motion. It's an easy touchdown. 
They clearly wanted to target Campbell and his inexperience here. Uh, they really sell it here. Edwards does a great job of selling the play. He simulates a crack. Like he sells the crack block really well before taking off towards the end zone for the easy touchdown. So now South Carolina has cut it to 14-7. to So we get the ball back for our second drive of the game. It's first and 10. Unfortunately, we can't get the playoff in time to delay a game coming out of the kickoff. And now the crowd is seriously getting back into it. It's first and 15. They come off the touchdown drive. It's 14-7. They push us back first and 15. Anytime you're in a hostile environment and you get that delay of game penalty, the crowd really feeds off that. They feel like they've affected the game. So now it's first and 15, and that South Carolina crowd is really heated and really back into this. So, so on that first and 15 play, we come out in an interesting formation. We put Ben Cleveland, uh, Isaiah Wilson, and Andrew Thomas, all three on the right side. I don't, I don't know how many of you caught that. I didn't catch it at first glance during the game. I caught it on the second look when I came back at home and started watching the game back. But we had Ben Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas all on the right side. Then on the other side, we had Solomon Kinley, Charlie Warner, and Isaac Nada on the left. We run the speed sweep to Tyler Simmons, but we get a personal foul chop block on Riley Reilly. So two penalties to start off the second the second drive of the game for us. And now, again, the South Carolina crowd, they are at a fever pitch. So it's first and 22 with a spot, the spot foul on Riley Ridley. We come out in 11 personnel with one running back and one tight end. We run a little outside zone play. Cleveland, ben Cleveland's able to get up to the second level on this play to create a nice running lane, which is something that he struggled with a little bit in that first game against Austin P. Uh, but we start we start to see him do a really good job of that here in this game against the Gamecocks. So he gets up to the second level, has a, creates a nice running lane, and we get a gain of 10 there on first and 22. So now we're almost back to the original line of scrimmage. So second and 12, uh, we drop back to pass it here. There's no one open from, tries to scramble. He grabs two yards to get back to the original line of scrimmage. So we have a third and long situation, which is clearly not ideal for our offense. This is not where we want to be. Not to say that we can't convert these plays. We can but clearly, with our offensive identity and what we want to do, what we want to be, this is not a situation that we want to be. And really, no offense wants to be in this situation, especially an offense like ours that really wants to run the football first and foremost. So it's third and 10, and uh, Javon Kinlaw just absolutely whips Solomon Kinley on this play. And he forces Fromm to get rid of it prematurely as he is bearing down on him, breathing down his neck. Now, on this play, this is the play that Jay Fromm throws interception. There's no way for us to know what the wide receiver was supposed to do here. But it clearly seems there was a miscommunication on somewhere there, whether it was on Simmons' part or whether it was Fromm's fault. We don't know unless you know, you're know you watching the film with the coaching staff. They'll be able to tell you, but the fans looking from afar, we don't really know here. But there was clearly a mix-up. Fromm seemed to think that Simmons was going deep while Simmons cuts the route off. Uh, regardless, even if Simmons was actually going deep here, Fromm should never have thrown this football. I mean, this play had, even if, again, if Simmons was going deep, actually like Fromm thought he was, this play had very little chance of being completed. It would have been an absolute fluke if it was completed. We had a safety bearing down over the top. The cornerback was right there in position. And it was just essentially thrown up for grabs. So this is an uncharacteristic mistake for Jake Fromm and definitely a mistake on his part. Because, again, even if it, even this is the right place to throw it, the ball should never have been thrown. He should eat the sack here. So, yeah, someone messed up. We don't know, but someone did. Uh, but... Either way, not a great play, definitely not a great drive. And now after this, it's 14-7. They get the interception here, a quick drive, a quick stop. And the South Carolina crowd is, they are seriously back into this game. And they are thinking they have a chance to come back, grab the momentum, and, and tie this game and eventually take the lead here before halftime. So now they have the ball back for their fourth drive of the game. 
Now this play, this first and 10 play, Tyler Clark yet again breaks through the line, but this on this particular this particular play, he's actually tackled behind or he's tackled from behind by the center. Obviously, there's no call because why would you ever call? That's perfectly legal, right? For a center to just uh, essentially grab the defensive tackle after he penetrates through into the backfield. Uh, no call, but it's okay. Jaden Lee overthrows the pass here, so no harm, no foul, I guess, although it certainly should have been caught. It should have been first and 20. So now second and 10. They swing the ball out to Debo Samuel, try to get the ball into their best playmaker's hands, try to get him out in space. But J.R. Reed comes flying up from his center field position on this play and makes a tackle for a loss on the greatest wide receiver in the history of football, at least according to the South Carolina faithful. So great play by J.R. Reed there. Really, we, have, we are in really good hands at the safety position this year. You know what? I know Dominic Sanders was really good for us the past four years, did some really good things for us. Uh, but, man, from a talent perspective, I said it before and I will say it again. This year, we have an upgrade at the safety position. Maybe not experience with, with Richard LeCount back there, but we saw what J.R. could do last year. We've already seen what Richard LeCount's capable of through two games this year. Now, he might make some mistakes at some point. Some teams might try to take advantage of his aggressiveness and his aggressive play towards line of scrimmage and kind of screaming downhill. But, man, there is some serious talent back there and just also some really solid fundamental guys and their ability to bring down ball carriers in space. Some elite kind of elusive type players in space like uh, Debo Samuel was for South Carolina. So now it's third and 11. We come on our dime package. We have DeAndre Walker split out over the slot, but he blitzes from that position and it won't go down as a sack. And I've, I've talked to a few buddies around, around town since we've gotten back in town from the game. And uh, there's a lot of kind of consternation over our inability to get what they would say consistent pressure on the quarterback. And I understand that to a degree because the sack totals weren't great. We had one sack on on the game. But I do think we were able to affect Bentley more than people want to give us credit for. This play is an example of that. DeAndre Walker's pressure here on Bentley would not go down as a sack. But that is essentially what this play was. That's a very similar effect. He doesn't quite bring Bentley down, but he gets a hand on him and slows him down enough so that his teammates can bring Bentley down for a gain of only one. So no, we don't get the sack, but it essentially functions that way. So now it's 4th and 10. They are in no man's land here. Uh, this is a situation where they're too far to kick a field goal, but you don't really want to punt. You're too close to punt, so why not just go for it on 4th down? You're not giving up too much field position if you don't get it. Uh, again, another example in the first half of DeAndre Baker being mashed up on Debo Samuel, one-on-one in the boundary. Uh, good on good, yet again, All-American on All-American candidate. So they uh, they go to Debo Samuel, they try to get the ball in their playmaker's hand, and I can't really fault them here. DeAndre Baker is out, an outstanding corner. We all know that we saw that on Saturday. It was on full display, but Debo Samuel is their guy. That is their number one playmaker, and you want to get the ball in his hands whenever you can, especially in these case situations. So they go back to him one more time. They try to hit the back shoulder. They got Baker on a pass interference earlier on a very similar play. But on this play, DeAndre Baker makes an outstanding play on the ball and knocks it away uh, in a really, really great stand by the defense after the interception. Again, I, if you weren't there, I can't really emphasize to you enough how riled up this crowd was after that interception. They, they got one with a touchdown. It's 14-7 on the trick play. That got them fired up. And then they get the delay of game penalty. Then we get the personal foul chop block on Riley Ridley. They get the interception. This crowd is fired up. They are ready to tie this game, take the lead. They are frothing at the mouth. So the defense does an outstanding job here 
of sticking their ground and getting the stop after the interception, throwing water on that fire. Because if the South Carolina scores here, this very well could have been a very different ball game through the rest of the game. There's no doubt about that. So now we get the ball back on the turnover. I should say the uh, the, ex- the exchange of downs here. So it's, we turn the ball over on downs. We go. For, we got the ball first and 10. On first down, we try to seize the momentum back. We go play action, and we take a vertical shot to Riley Ridley. I really like this call by Jim Chaney. He felt exactly what I'm trying to explain to you. The South Carolina crowd is trying to get back in this game. They're feeling it. So we want to try to take the win out of their sails yet again. We go play action off the, the turnover there, and we take that vertical shot to Riley Ridley. The play was there. I don't know if it necessarily would have been a touchdown, but there's a very good chance this ball was going to be completed, very likely would have been completed, and could have at the very least been a big play, a huge 30, 40-yard gain down the field, if not an outright touchdown. Uh, but Rashad Finn interferes with Ridley to prevent that touchdown, to prevent that big play. So we get a we get a big uh, pass interference call on first downs, so and now we have the ball first and ten again. Uh, we hand the ball off to Elijah Holyfield, who picks up three tough yards. He's just a tough runner, man. This guy he fights, and so does Brian Heron. Harry and really all three of our top backs: Swift, Holyfield, Heron. Those guys they're fighting, they're competing, they're getting everything, every yard they possibly can out there. So it's second and seven. We run another outside zone play to the left. Again, another example of us really getting up to the second level where well and clearing a nice lane for Elijah Holyfield, who turns into a really good 15-yard gain, another good, tough, explosive run here. So with the ball first and 10, again, outside zone. This time, Isaac Nauta, though, cannot hold his block, and his man trips up Holyfield behind line of scrimmage. It's a, it's a pretty big loss here. Second and 13, loss of three on the tackle for loss. So in second and 13, we throw it out to Miko for a short gain. To me... And I talked about this on the the recap show with Curtis. This is another one of, of, of the plays where I think Fromm might potentially have made a mistake here. Uh, it looks like Fromm made the wrong read from what I'm looking at. I went back and watched it a couple of times. On this particular play, it looks like cover two with the cornerback sitting on the flat route. We send Miko into the flat. We run Riley Ridley vertical. Okay, so in a cover two. You basically you have the corner. He's either gonna he's either gonna drop with the vertical route, which is Ridley here, or he's gonna sit on the uh, the flat route there in Miko Hardman. So he sits on the flat route, which means there's a window. You get the safety, the cover two safety. He's got half the field. He's coming up over the top, but before he can get there, there is a sh- a small window for Fromm to fit the ball in there to Riley Ridley. I think he had him there. I think he had him for about a 10 to 15 yard game before the safety gets over the top. And who knows, maybe really can make him miss and, and turn into a bigger play. So I think that's where he should have gone with this football. I think it was a misread. Instead, he takes the, the quick route to the flat to Miko and basically leaves him out to dry there. Miko gets smacked there. It's a short little four yard gain, uh, th- uh, more like a three yard gain. So not much going there. Pretty much just his back to the original line of scrimmage. So now it's third and 10. We throw a five yard hitch to Riley Ridley, short of the first down marker. He's not able to make enough happen and break enough tackles to get to that first down chain. So it's fourth and five and we have a shot for a field goal here. Thanks to that 15 yard run and the pass interference earlier in the drive. It's a uh, it's a decent length field goal here. Rodrigo keeps it just inside the left goal post for the 17-7 lead. Now in the stands, I when he put this ball in the air, I couldn't quite tell. Really, from where where I was angled in the stadium, I was pretty much watching that end zone, watching the fans that end zone, the South Carolina fans there, and they couldn't. I mean, I couldn't really get a good read off. Thing was half of them thought clearly thought that it was that it was a missed field because they kind of jumped up and started yelling. The other half were kind of just like sitting down. So I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what, what happened? Did it go in? No, what happened? 
uh, and clearly showed the replay, and it just snuck in the left goalpost there to put us up 17-7. Now we have a 10-point cushion, a a two-score cushion here uh, heading into South Carolina's fifth drive. So I think this is a really important sequence. I know a lot of people are going to point to the opening of the second half where we get a couple touchdowns, the first couple drives, able to hold them to a couple three and outs. And don't get me wrong, that was an important sequence as well. But so was this. When we have the turnover, we have the interception, we're able to turn them over on downs. The defense stands their ground, gets the stop, and we're able to then on the following drive follow it up with a field goal to put us up two scores. So now we've kind of stemmed that South Carolina tide. They were making a run to grab the momentum, but now we've kind of pushed them back a little bit here uh, in the second quarter. So then we got South Carolina going into their fifth drive of the first half. It looks like we open this first and 10 play in cover two man, which is basically got two deep safeties splitting the, the, the deep zones, and we're playing man coverage underneath. It looks like we also have Richard Account playing over the top of Devo Samuel in the boundary. Kind of a bracket coverage of sorts with Baker playing under Samuel and LeCount playing over the top. And Bentley, he throws right into it. And kind of t- I mean, really, he kind of takes the bait. And LeCount just barely misses the interception here. Almost had it, just barely missed it. So now it's 2nd and 10. Uh, Jake Bentley fumbles the shotgun snap on 2nd and 10. Falls on the ball. It's 3rd and 12. So they, we got him right where we want him, third and long here. Now he gets the ball to Debo Samuel, but we bring him down a yard short of the line of scrimmage with the assist from the official. This is the play where Samuel kind of runs right to the official. I think that we would have been able to bring him down short of the yard marker anyway, but the official kind of just sealed the deal for us there. Of course, the South Carolina fans are booing like crazy, but hey, the official's in play. It is what it is. Uh, so on fourth down, on this punt, you might have seen special teams coach Scott Fountain and Kirby Smart. If you're watching on TV, I didn't see this live at the game. I wasn't paying attention to the sideline here. But I came back home and watched it. On fourth down, you might have seen Scott Fountain, who is our new special teams coordinator, and Kirby Smart get into Akil Crumpton's face immediately after he gets back to the sideline after attempting to return this punt. It was a short punt return. Kind of flashy there for a second. You saw him put on some moves and show his uh, elusiveness out there. But as soon as he gets off the side, off the field on the sideline, you see Scott Fountain just racing up to him, getting right in his face. Then Kirby jumps in there, starts barking at him, gets right in his face. And really the issue here, and, and I'm sure you guys probably saw this and understood what was going on, but in case you missed it, the issue that, that our coaches had was that we were in punt safe. We were guarding against a possible fake on fourth and short here, and we had no punt returns set up. So in that situation, Akil Crumpton is supposed to fair catch it there. You have no one blocking for you. Everyone's just kind of standing around, essentially playing defense, making sure that there's no fake punt going on with that fourth and short situation. You have no blockers. There's a good chance you're going to get lit up. And if you saw that, if you remember back to that punt, the defenders are right there on him. He tried to make a miss, but they were right there on him because no one was even trying to block them. So you got a fair catch that there. I don't know if he missed if he missed a signal, if he missed, if there's some sort of miscommunication, or if he was told he just flat out zoned out in the environment, I don't know. But the coaches clearly thought that he made a mistake there. So now we have the ball back as our fourth drive of the first half. Brian Herrien is in the game uh, for the first time, and he fights for five tough yards off the right side on first down. Gets his first carry. A really nice game on first down. That's what we want. We want to get the four to five yards on first down, being second and medium, keep us out of those second and third and long situations. So second and five, again, we're attacking the perimeter with the outside zone. God, we were running that a ton in the first half. But this time, both Charlie Warner and Akil Crumpton get beat on the edge, and Harrion gets stopped for a one-yard gain. Third and four, so we're still in pretty good position. This is where we want to be, third and medium, third and short. And on third and four here, Fromm takes the check down to, to DeAndre Swift in the boundary. 
And this is just pure athleticism and just God-given ability here. And that elusiveness in a phone booth. Because as soon as Swift gets the ball right there in the boundary, Bryce, Bryce Nally-Williams, the outside linebacker for South Carolina, is right there in his face. But Swift is able to just put a quick move on Williams. He makes a miss in a phone booth, which is it's something, it's really something you cannot teach. And he is able to pick up the first down, very reminiscent of Sonny Michelle in space. On this play, he showcased strength. They did get a hand on him, but he ran right through it. So he showcases the strength and the elusiveness in a short area and is able to, to just essentially make a play all on his own here to pick up the first down. So now we get the ball first and 10. We're back in 12 personnel with one running back, two tight ends. On this play, man. Charlie Warner gets beat again on an inside move by, by, by Bryson Allen, Allen sorry Bryson Allen Williams. I have a tough time saying that name. Bryson Allen Williams on the left edge who makes the play on Swift. And, and Allen Williams, I will say, the reason he was able to dart inside like that and beat Warner, I, I want to give Warner a little bit of a break here because Williams from the snap is just darting inside. He's not even thinking about the edge at all. He's not trying to set the edge. He's darting inside with reckless abandon because South Carolina was bringing the cornerback blitz from the boundary to, to essentially replace Allen's and keep contained there. So Charlie's really at a disadvantage there, but regardless, his man makes a play in the backfield for a loss. So on second 11, Fromm tries to get out to Tyler Simmons on the sideline, but he misses him. At this point in the game, Fromm is 4 of 6 for 25 yards. So, I mean, a solid completion percentage. He has made some mistakes. He does have the one interception and also has not hit any big plays. Now, I will say... The one play, what really was, it was an RPO. It was a pass to Miko, but since it was behind line of scrimmage and thrown backwards, they're counting it as a run. So that's really a 30-yard pass in my in my book, but they're counting it as a run in, in the scorebook. So I guess that's what it goes down as. Uh, so now we're at third and 11 with the incomplete pass. South Carolina brings five rushers. We slide, slide protect to the right to pick up those rushers, but unfortunately no one is open downfield. They were doing a good job of kind of playing that press man coverage on our on our receivers, getting in their face. And, and we had a tough time at times throughout this game getting open downfield. This time, instead of just throwing the ball up, Fromm learned from his mistake early in the game. He stayed cool, stayed poised, and just eats a sack. He lives to fight another day, which I know no one likes. And I'm sure some people out there are giving him crap for taking the sack. But wasn't that what he was supposed to do earlier in the in, in the game? When he throws up an interception, wasn't he supposed to take a sack there? Here, he takes a sack. I know no one loves that, but there was no one open. I don't know what he's supposed to do in this situation other than take that sack or just throw the ball up, uh, which we already saw. That didn't end up very well for us in a previous drive. So forced to punt here. South Carolina gets the ball back. Down 10. There's sixth drive of the opening half. They open this, this uh, drive first and 10 with a split zone run to Rico Dowdle. But Natrez, man, Natrez fills the hole aggressively. Really, really good linebacker play right here. And he teams with Robert Beal. Yes, we have a Robert Beal siding on the field. Love to see it, man. So Natrez and Beal combined to make the stop right there in the hole. And again, this is just more evidence of our superior depth. The fact that we see Robert Beal in the game in this moment. A guy who has really not played much at all uh, on defense throughout his, his first year and a half. Or year and two games here in Athens. But... We're rotating guys in and out, and there's not much of a drop-off when we bring these second and third string guys into the game. And that played a key role in the game. It's going to play a critical role once we get into the second half. So after a one-yard gain on first down, it's now second and nine. Mikhail Carter gets blown off the ball in this play, and they run an ISO to the right, and they power ahead for six yards. So they're in a good situation here. It's third and three, third and short. On this particular play, we blitz Monty Rice, and Nate, so Nate tries to left alone, man, in the middle of the field. He's a step late getting to the shallow cross. Again, 
they were doing, they were trying to do exactly what I thought they would do and attack our inside linebackers with those crossing routes, the backs, etc. And it worked here. They get the completion. They get the first down. So now it's first and 10. They go five wide again, trying to challenge us through the air yet again. We fall back into a zone this time. We saw what happens when we have nature as matched up one-on-one across the middle. And we see that they're trying to exploit that. So give our credit, give credit to our coaches. They try to adjust here. We fall back into a zone. It looks like cover three match, which is kind of Kirby's patented defense there. Him and Saban used a lot back in his old Alabama days. And, of course, he's brought here to Athens. Uh, Natrez is there on this play to make the play. He's right there. He's in position to make the play, but he misses the tackle. And Dowdle is able to pick up another first down. It's first and 10 again. Now, this next play is really their only significant run play to speak of throughout the entire game. They hand it off to transfer running back Tyson Williams from North Carolina, who breaks it outside. Uh, on this particular play, Jonathan Ledbetter, who I, who I love, I think he's an outstanding player for us, really underrated, does not get near enough attention. But on this play, it's it's not his best showing. He gets completely pinned inside, and Jawan Taylor was split out wide to cover the slot, which leaves a gaping hole. When you have your linebacker split out wide to cover the slot, you get your defensive end, your five-tech defensive end who's pinned inside. There's a major hole there for Tyson Williams to kind of speed through. So this is the biggest game they have. Fortunately for our team, uh, we have some great team speed defensively, and we were able to close on the play and limit it to a nine-yard gain. Not ideal, but if you saw that hole, this play could have gone for much more than nine yards. Fortunately, we have great team speed defensively, and we were able to close it and limit it to only a nine-yard gain. So it's second and one. They hand the ball off to Tyson Williams again. He picks up a tough first down. It's first and ten now. Uh, on this particular first down, they go play action. And Monty Rice is entirely lost on this play. He's far too slow to read pass. And this is a, one of the reasons he comes off the field when we come in our, in our dime package because playing in coverage, that is just not his forte. Monty Rice is fantastic between the tackles. I think he's our best linebacker between the tackles. But he gets lost in coverage. That's just certainly not his game at this point. He's got time to improve, but he's not there yet as a pass defender. Uh, so he's really slow to read the pass here. By the time he does diagnose that it's a play-action pass, the tight end Crosby has three steps on him, dragging across the middle, and he's beat. Monty Rice is beat. Again, this could have been an even bigger play because he was wide open. I mean, he literally had, Casey Crosby had three steps on Monty Rice. But Richard LeCount, yet another example of this guy coming from out of the screen, comes out of nowhere, screaming across the field to bring down Crosby. And this is good offense from South Carolina right here. I want to give Brian McClendon a little bit more credit here. Now, he didn't call a great game. He really didn't. I, I, for the most part, I thought he was, it was below average as a game plan, especially coming out trying to throw the ball like they did with five wides. I think they abandoned the run far too quickly. But this was a drive that had some good offense. They had a little success running the football on this drive, more success than they had any other single drive running the ball. So on this play, they want to capitalize on that with play action. So now they are threatening. We're, up, we're still up 17-7. But they are threatening to pull back within one score. You got the ball first and 10, another first down this drive. This is by far their best drive that they were able to put together in the game, kind of sustain a drive. But on first and 10, they try to get Natres Patrick again on the wheel route to daddle down the boundary sideline. They knew, guys, and I, I, I know I keep saying it, but you can see play by play here. They knew where we were weakest on this defense our inside linebackers in pass coverage. So they were continually trying to to exploit it. And this is yet another example. Want to get their speedy running back, Rico Dowdle, matched up on nature as Patrick on the wheel route. That should be a mismatch. Fortunately for us, yet again, here it is, that same theme. 
Richard LeCount is just a flat-out baller and comes over the top to break up the pass. I will say on this play, Natres was not in terrible position. He was hustling down the field. He read it. I will give him credit there. He read the play, and he was hustling, trying to catch up in trail technique there on uh, on Rico Daddle. But it still probably would have been a complete pass. It would have been a tight window, but I feel like there's a good chance they were going to complete this pass if LeCount had not come over and made the play on the ball. He is just a flat-out baller. Love the guy. So incomplete pass on first down at second and 10. We've got Tay Crowder in the game now. Crowder didn't play a ton this game. It was really a rotation between Rice, Patrick, and Taylor. But Crowder's in the game now, giving some of those guys a breather. And I'll give Crowder some props here. He does a good job attacking downhill on the play. He reads run. He attacks downhill. He fills the hole. But he drops to his knees on contact and loses all leverage. As a linebacker, that is cardinal sin number one. You cannot lose your feet on contact. If you lose your feet, you are beat. You have no leverage, and you will get run over, and you will get embarrassed, and your coaches will humiliate you in the film room when you watch the tape with your with your team uh, on Sunday or Monday, whenever they're watching it. So he loses his legs on contact, loses all leverage, which allows Tyson Williams to break the tackle and power forward for another six yards. This play should have been a one-yard gain max, but Williams was able to break the tackle Runs forward for another six yards, and that's solely because Crowder did not try to bring the wood with the proper technique. So instead of third and eight or third and nine, it's now third and three. So on third and three, they run a screen. They catch us in a blitz. It's a perfect call uh, to match what we're trying to run defensively. But J.R. Reed makes a great open field tackle to keep the gain minimal. And really, this was a great tackle in space and just another example of how good J.R. Reed is in space. And as a safety that is that might be the primary attribute I would be looking for in my safeties. Can you make tackles in space? Because you are often the option of last resort. If you do not make that tackle, this could be a touchdown. But J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount so far, we saw it all season last year from J.R. Reed, and so far this year from Richard LeCount in, in, in the small amount of time he got last year, we've seen him showcase that ability as well. So now they're inside the red zone. It's first and 10 on our 13-yard line. Uh, Jake Bentley sprints right. He hits Shy Smith. They want to get him on the move. He hits Shy Smith on the quick timing route on the sideline for a seven-yard gain. So now it's second and three on the six-yard line. They have a bunch set to the right. We man them up here, and Bentley sees no one open. He tucks it, and he tries to scramble, but not before DeAndre Walker, Walker is able to bring him down for a sack, for our only true sack of the game, although I think there were plenty of other times where we affected the quarterback and didn't quite get the sack number, but... It accomplishes the same purpose. But we do get the sack here, and this is a big play. It's a big play to stem the momentum of this drive. Like I said a few minutes ago, this was the best drive they were able to sustain throughout the game. Now, it only re- resulted in three points, but in terms of sustaining a drive, play after play, getting first downs throughout this drive, this was their best drive. They needed a touchdown this drive. They need to convert it, and I think maybe the, the main reason they did not was this play right here. We have everyone covered. We're manned up on him. Walker's able to get the sack. We force him to scramble. We bring him down for a loss of three. So now it's third and six balls on the nine-yard line. Bentley tries to hit Shy Smith up the scene in the back of the end zone, but he overthrows him badly. And really, he might have just been throwing the ball away. There was no way he was going to fit that ball in any sort of window. There's no window to even fit the ball into here. Uh, so it's a big hold by our defense to preserve the touchdown lead. Great red zone defense. And guys, this is the mark of good defenses. We were really good this last year. If you remember back to 2016, this is one of our major weaknesses defensively. Whenever any team got in the red zone, it was essentially a touchdown, man. They were scoring a touchdown. I mean, more often than not, it, it was it was just stunning to see how bad we were in the red zone defensively two years ago. Last year, we made, a big, we made big improvements, took a big step forward. And uh, so far this year, 
We haven't been challenged too much in the red zone, but we're up to the challenge here against a good, solid South Carolina offense at home in a big-time game, holding the field goal, still up 17-10 at the touchdown lead. So now we've got, we're going into our fifth drive of the first half. Uh, and on first and 10, we go, we go with another pre-snap RPO pass to Miko Hardman. Uh, it's very similar to what we talked about early in the game. Fromm looks out, looks over the offensive line's blocking run. He sees out there we've got two-on-one to the field, steps back, hits Miko out there. Defender On this particular one, the, def, the, the defender reads the ball well, that one defender out there. He tries to break on it and make the big play, make the interception, but he's just a step late. And by virtue of him missing the ball there, Miko is able to scoot ahead for a gain of nine, Puts us right where we want to be on second down. At second and one, we hand the ball to DeAndre Swift, who's able to pick up that first down. Now we move the chains, got the ball first and 10 again. Uh, on this particular play, we go to the air, try to keep him off balance, throw a little bit on first down, which is not something we did a great deal of early in the season last year. We did it more as the season wore on and the uh, competition kind of ramped up a little bit. You saw in the national championship game, we were throwing on first and second down a lot because we knew we weren't going to be able to consistently run the ball against a defense like that in Alabama on first and second down. So we're doing a better job of that early in the season here. We throw the ball on first down. Fromm is able to find Terry Godwin sitting down in the zone defense, and Godwin then fights ahead for a gain of 13. And I want to give Terry credit here. Man, the guy fights. He really, really fights for every single yard. But sometimes when he is held up by multiple defenders and they're all just trying to rip the ball out, just go down. I cannot tell you how many times... I'm in the stands. They're just screaming to Terry, go down, go down. I know he's fighting. I know the coaches are telling him to fight for every yard. But sometimes, man, like one or two extra yards is not worth the potential fumble that could happen when, you, when you're stood up and defenders are ripping the ball out. This happened against South Carolina last year going into the end zone. We could have beaten them. We had another touchdown in that first quarter. I think it was the first drive of the game maybe. Uh, and, and we throw the ball at Terry. He's going in for, trying to go in for a touchdown. He's inside the five-yard line. And he's, he's trying to fight for an extra yard. They come in there, and they somebody holds him up, and they rip the ball. He fumbles. They get the ball back. We get no points there. And that's not the only time that's happened to Terry Godwin. But, look, I, I commend him for fighting for every yard. I really do. But sometimes we just got to use our head and, that, and think about, is that extra yard or two? Is that worth the potential fumble there and the potential turnover? I say no, because the chances of Terry Godwin and his size breaking a tackle with three or four guys hang, hanging all over him, uh, that's just not very likely. So I just say go down. I scream it. I, I go crazy about it. My wife, she kind of rolls her eyes because she hears it so often from me. But uh, I'd really like to see him just go down in some of those situations. So, But regardless, it's first down here, first and 10. We go back to the outside zone, back to the same well. We're really attacking the perimeter in the run game. And uh, on this play, it's an outside zone, but Swift actually cuts back off Lamont Gilliard's butt for a gain of six. He cuts back in the, the backside A-gap there. He sees it, got great vision, is able to pick up six big yards on first down, put it in a manageable second down situation. It's second and four. We've got Elijah Holyfield in the game here. Now, he bounces it to the, to the boundary for a gain of nine yards and a first down. Another example of really good vision here by Elijah Holyfield. Uh, and also on this play, I want to give props to Riley Ridley. He's a really nice block on the perimeter, kind of spring Holyfield for that first down. And we are moving the ball here with under four minutes to go in the first half. So now it's first and 10 again. But whatever it was we had going under four minutes here, whatever we had going on this drive offensively, it gets absolutely derailed because, and I hate to do this, but I'm going to pick on Charlie Warner again because he absolutely just got run over and through by Daniel Fennell in pass protection. And look, if you go back and watch that play, this is just poor technique by Charlie. It really is. I love Charlie. I think he does a great job for us. 
But this play, I mean, his technique was just all off. His base was far too narrow. He allowed the defender to get his hands on him first, which you cannot do. And Fennell really, let's just be honest on this play, he just wanted it more than wanted it on this particular play. So they they able to get to Fromm, they sack him, he has no chance to do anything with the ball. I mean, it's, right, it's just right in his lap almost at the snap. So this sack puts us back to second and 18. On second and 18, we get six yards back with another outside zone to the left. Uh, Solomon Kinley really got some great push on this play, and he played a lot better this in this particular game, and really got better as the game went on as well. Uh, we get some great push on this play, able to get six yards and get it back to, I don't want to say third and manageable, but at least it's not third and 18. So it's third and 12. On the third and 12 play, they bring five rushers. We show screen action to the boundary with Swift. And I love this play design. So we show a screen action to the boundary with Swift. And we have three guys over there, two blockers, or two receivers out blocking. We have Swift that comes behind them. So we show that screen action. And South Carolina reacts aggressively to that action. What that does is it vacates the middle of the field. The middle of the field is entirely vacated by those defenders rushing towards the screen action. And we've got Akil Crumpton matched up one-on-one with Jemias Williams on a slant in the middle of the field. Uh, this is a matchup that on any I, I really like our matchup here, Crumpton on Jemias Williams. Jemias Williams is a solid player, but Crumpton, I think this guy has a chance to be an electric player for us if we can get him in some one-on-one matchups out of the slot. So this is what we wanted here. This is exactly what we were trying to dial up. This could have been a touchdown if it is a throw that hits Crumpton on the move. It's not a great throw. It's not the worst throw, but it's not a good enough throw. It's a little too far out in front of him. I, it hits his hands. Crumpton still could have caught it, but it would have been a, a, a tough catch. But again, if it's on the money, I think Crumpton might race into the end zone. At the very least, he picks up a huge gain here. Uh, I, I, I love Jake Fromm. You guys know this, but we have to make that play. We have to make a better throw because on this particular play, we got exactly what we wanted. Cheney dialed up a winner here. This could be a touchdown. It needs to be a touchdown. against. Now, we got away with it against South Carolina because we're just a better team. But when you're playing the Alabamas of the world, when you're playing the Auburns of the world down the road, you have to be able to convert these plays. And you dial them up. You get the matchup you want in the middle of the field, which, which could potentially result in a touchdown. You simply got to hit these plays down the road. So fourth and 12, we could, I, I at first I wasn't sure what we were going to do here. Uh, we could have potentially sent Rod out there because the way he's booming the ball right now, it would have been a tough field goal. It's a 55-yard field goal, but we opt to punt instead and try to pin them deep. And I totally get the decision. I agree with the decision here. We're still up 17-10, still up by a touchdown. We don't want to risk giving them the ball on the 38-yard line if Rodrigo happens to miss this field goal, giving them a good field position to try to, get a game-tying score, put him in better position to get a game-tying score before the half and grab the momentum. So Camarda, we put him out there, the true freshman, and this time he does a great job. Sky punts it and puts the ball inside the 10-yard line. So South Carolina gets the ball back for their seventh drive of the first half with a chance to tie the game or inch closer with a field goal and cut it within four before the half. On first down, they go with another short throw. They're really trying to dink and dunk and get guys in space and see what they can make happen. So they go with another short throw across the middle for six yards. It brings up second and four. We completely lose Rico Dowdle in the flat, who gets the ball and moves ahead for the first down to the 31. So it's first and 10 again. On this play, Michael Barnett deflects the ball and almost catches his own deflection for an interception. He kind of just goes through his hands a little bit. If he had a little more awareness, he could have picked this ball off. I thought for a second, ah, he might have it, but no, he doesn't have it. But anyway, good deflection. We got a couple deflections on this day. And that's something that you can really do when they're trying to go with the short passing game. You can get your hands up in those windows and able to deflect the ball. And you definitely saw that happen 
on Saturday. So it's second and 10. Here's another example of where we don't quite get the sack, but we still affect the quarterback. And this time it's Britton Cox, the true freshman. He doesn't quite get there to get the sack, but he certainly forces the premature throw from Jake Bentley. And it's an absolute duck from Bentley. But still, somehow, it manages to be completed to, uh, to, to Debo Samuel. He gets nine yards. So it's third and one on this play. And so they go with another quick short pass in the middle. This time to Debo Samuel. They pick up the first down. And I don't—I could be wrong here. It might be the last catch Samuel has. It's either the, the last catch or the catch before last in this game. He doesn't do much after that point. Uh, really didn't do much at all throughout the entire game. He really held him in check, which is a key for us defensively. So, but anyway, they have the ball here. It's first and 10. Now they're moving a little bit here, trying to get that game time score before they go into halftime. Again, we got Brenton Cox off the edge. He's able to get a little bit of pressure on Bentley, forces him to step up in the pocket. But the problem is, and I mentioned this on the recap show on, on Sunday, we got a little pressure from the edge, but we're getting no push from the interior. So when we get the, edge, the pressure from the edge, Bentley's able to just step up into a clean pocket because we're not doing anything to collapse it from the inside. Julian Rochester is almost just standing there. Like I'm not even sure exactly what he's trying to do. He's just kind of looking there, jumping up and down, kind of half jumping up and down. I'm not even sure what he's trying to do here. He looked very tired. Uh, but they have they have Debo Samuel mashed up on Natrez, which is exactly what they want. They get the ball to Debo, but he drops it. He does not make the play here. So we got fortunate there. They got the matchup they wanted. We had no pressure coming from the interior. So it's second and 10. This time we bring DeAndre Walker on another blitz from the slot in our dime package like we did early in the game. Very similar to what we did earlier in the game. Uh, again, Walker's able to get his hands on Bentley, but this time Bentley's able to just kind of fling the ball. It's very ugly, but he's able to fling the ball to the running back Tyson Williams, who's able to pick up five yards, putting them at third and five. It's definitely a third manageable situation. We need to get off the field here. Uh, again, they're trying to hit Rico Dowdle on the wheel route. Obviously, they I keep saying it, but it's true. They recognize where we were weak. They're trying to get the matchup with their playmakers on our inside linebackers and man coverage. Uh, but Bentley, this you know, he he tries to get the ball out there, but Richard LeCount lays the wood on Dowdle and breaks it up. So great play. I thought potentially uh, at first glance in this game, I thought this might be a targeting play, but they showed the replay. No, it was not. LeCount makes a great tackle here, a great play to, on the ball to break it up. Absolutely outstanding by Richard LeCount, who might have been the player of the game if it wasn't for Miko Hardman with his explosive plays offensively. So we're able to break it up here. It's fourth down. We force him to punt. Now we have a chance here. We have a chance. We get the ball back with 43 seconds left on our own 33-yard line. And I really love Jake Fromm in these situations. I think he excels here. We come out with an empty set to start with on first down. We, we hit Isaac Nauta for a gain of nine. We call a timeout there, second and one. Uh, on this particular play, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, gets beat around the left end. But Fromm is able to get the ball off to a crossing Riley Ridley, who scampers out of bounds to the left for 11 yards, picks up a first down. So it's first and 10. We've now got 26 seconds left in the game, still trying to get a field goal, get something here before the half. Uh, Fromm throws to the field from the far hash, and he hits Ridley for another 11 to 12 yards. But on this particular play, Ridley kind of dances for a second, but cannot quite get out of bounds. So it's first and 10. We hurry up to the line. We want to get one more play out, try to preserve our timeout. Hurry up the line, snap it. Fromm is able to scramble for seven yards to his right to set up a 44-yard field goal attempt with six seconds left. And Rodrigo, man, he absolutely nails it. The first one is pretty close. This one, there's no doubt about it, right down the middle. Outstanding execution, the one-minute drill, and a huge momentum boost 
into halftime because we get, the, especially considering we get the ball back to start the second half. Now we're up 20 to 10, 10 point lead, two scores, get the ball back in the second half, see if we can pull away. And you guys know the story. That's exactly what happens. We come out in the second half, we get the ball first on first and 10. We go with another zone run, and DeAndre Swift cuts back across the grain for 13 yards on first down. But the bigger news, however, on this play is Andrew Thomas goes down and gets rolled up on. Fortunately, I I want to I know this is you know tough to say. Fortunately, here because you don't want, you don't want the big guy to go down. Maybe the best player in our entire team, if you look at it. But fortunately, he gets rolled up from behind and not from the side. So. Worst case scenario, it's a high ankle, high ankle sprain. He's out a couple weeks, and we don't like that. We want him back, but it could have been the knee if he gets rolled up from the from the side there. So I think we kind of we dodged a bullet there in, in some regards. So it's luckier than we think. But we get the first down. Thomas is out. In comes Cade Mays, the true freshman. First guy off the bench there at left tackle. Somewhat surprising. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised there. I thought it might be Kendall Baker, who I thought maybe might kind of be that jack-of-all-trades utility man, that sixth man off the bench. But it's Cade Mays, the big freshman from Tennessee. So first and 10, we get, hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift again. He goes for two yards. Second and eight, we hit Riley Ridley for a first down. Moving the chains, baby. Here we got first and 10 again. We run an inside zone to Holyfield. And this is where you really start to see our depth. Our depth is becoming apparent to open the half because we were just leaning on them. Our offensive line is just having their way to open the second half with this South Carolina front seven. And Holyfield's able to power ahead for the first down here. Really tough, hard run. Our running backs are doing that all day long. So first and 10 again. Yet again, it's another two-on-one outside. This is what our running game does for us. When we're able to run the ball that effectively, they have to commit extra bodies to the box. And they, they can't stop at all. You can't stop, you can't dedicate enough bodies to outnumber us against the run and also outnumber us outside. So they gotta pick their poison. And since they know what we want to do first and foremost is run the football, that's what they want to stop first and foremost. So we run the constraint plays to make them pay for that. So we got another two-on-one outside. Fromm makes the pre-snap RPO read to Miko, slings it out to him, and Miko picks up another seven yards. Now, on this play, if he goes outside the block by Ridley, he probably picks up more yards. For some reason, he tries to cut it back inside. You can see uh, Ridley's kind of frustrated on this. He's like, dude, dude, I had you I had you to the right, man. Come on, I had you outside. But it's all good. Pick up seven yards. We're in second and three. This is where we want to be offensively. Uh, and it's okay. That's okay. Even if if Miko misses that, that that the, I guess, the extra yardage, the big play there, still picks up seven. And it's okay because in the very next play, we run the exact same play to the left. The offensive line is again blocking run to the right. Fromm sees the two-on-one pre-snap. He flips it out to Miko, who makes amends and does the rest. And Montauk, the safety here, he's just too slow. Another Bad angle from a South Carolina defender. And Miko burns by him, tight ropes the sideline, and scores. Uh, and Tyler Simmons with an absolutely dominant block on the perimeter. This guy just gets it done as a blocker, man. This that's why he's on the field. Now don't get me wrong, I think Tyler Simmons, don't get me wrong here. I think he can make some plays in the passing game as well. Actually, I feel very confident he can do that. But man, he is such a valuable player for us as a blocker on the perimeter. Him and Riley really both. So just uh, he he's becoming a dominant blocker out there. So Got to give him credit. Dude's a flat-out baller. So is Miko. So is Jay Fromm. So is the whole offense. Offensive line, the running backs, everybody. We're just now pouring it on them. So with that first drive, you can really, really, really feel the air go out of that Williams-Brice Stadium. So now it's 27-10. to to 10. We're up 17 points. Now, they're not necessarily done here, but it's starting to feel that way. 
So they get the ball back for their first drive of the second half, trying to stay with us here. Uh, on first down, they go they go to the air. Another deflected pass. This time it's Tyler Clark. Again, this is a byproduct of them going heavy with the quit game in this game. Uh, so it's second and ten. We only rush four. They hit Debo Samuel across the middle. So I think this might be his last catch of the game. But LeCount breaks on him and stops him short of the first down. So it's third and two. So you know they didn't get the first down on second down, but they got pretty close there. They're in good. They're in good position here. So on third and two, again, we're only bringing four, and we're playing coverage behind it. So we're expecting them to go to the air because they've essentially abandoned their running game at this point. So they try to hit Casey Crosby, the tight end, on the curl in the middle of the field, but both Natrez and Jawan Taylor play it well and force the incompletion. So I, I, this is another example I'm talking about. I feel like our inside linebackers are better in coverage playing zone coverage than they are in man. I, I think there's too many mismatched opportunities if they're trying to play man coverage. But when they're in zone, they can read the play, they can break on the ball and force incompletions. They did a good job of that against South Carolina. So we force the three and out, force the pump, and get the ball back. With our second drive of the second half, um, first and 10, we run another outside zone. But this time, Lamont Gilliard cannot cut off the freshman Rick Sandage, a guy that we recruited heavily. And from some accounts, seems like a guy that wanted to commit to us, but it was a little too late. We had to turn him away. He ends up at South Carolina, a good defensive tackle prospect. He busts right through Lamont Gilliard and brings down Swift in the backfield for a tackle for loss. So it's second and 12. The next play, we, we throw a hitch to J.J. Holloman, who I love, man. And Holloman fights ahead for 16 yards. And I love this guy's potential, man. He's He's got a, I, I know this sounds weird, but a beautiful body. He's a physical specimen out there. Uh, he's fast. He's he's tall, tall enough, 6'2"-ish. He's got a, a good build, a good frame to him, and uh, has some solid hands. And I think this guy, I think his athleticism is outstanding. I think the sky is the limit for this guy once he gets some opportunities. I think he showcased that a little bit here on this play. So he picks up the first down. Uh, it's first and 10. South Carolina comes out with eight guys in the box. We run Herring straight ahead for three yards, but it's okay. We are wearing them down as long as we're getting positive yards in these plays and they have eight guys in the box we're wearing them down and it's only a matter of time until they fold you can already start to see the cracks in the armor there so it's second and seven get the ball to harry and one more time he goes for two more yards he gets dragged down from behind by a crashing defensive end he saw that a couple times in this game uh and that's something we absolutely can i expect us to absolutely do it in the future we can exploit that in the future we see these defensive ends crashing I know, obviously, Justin Fields can exploit that on some of the zone read pulls, but Jake Fromm can as well. He showed that last year. I think we're just going to kind of wait until the right time to pull it out because that is what they're doing right now. They are crashing hard in the run game, and they're not giving Fromm any respect in that zone read game. So get two yards there. It's third and five. Uh, South Carolina goes with a, a zone blitz here. We had Harry in for a touchdown down the sideline. We want to uh, run a wheel route down the right sideline to Brian Harry. He, he's there for a touchdown. But Sherrod Green, the inside linebacker, recognizes that he's just flat out beat, and he reaches out and he just grabs Herring. Uh, so Fromm throws the ball out there, but it's five or ten yards past Herring because Herring got pulled. He got held. The refs see it. We get the call. Good job, refs. You finally get something right, and we get the first down. Should have been a touchdown, but at least it's a first down. Chains keep moving. So it's first and ten. Now the next play, I am screaming in the stands before the snap because I see the coverage. They show blitz from the slot defender who's lined up over Miko Harbin. Obviously, the safety has to replace that blitzing defender. But the thing is, the safety is over on the far hash to the field, and there is no freaking way he can get to Miko in time. There's one of two options here. It's either horribly designed coverage 
on the part of Will Muschamp and Javaris Robertson, the defensive coordinator, or it's just a total bust by someone on that defense. I, I don't know which way to lean. I'd probably go more towards a bust there. It's hard to imagine that Will Muschamp with his defensive aptitude would design a coverage that is that horrible. I just can't imagine that. But either way, uh, Fromm hits Meikle for a 42-yard gain down the sideline to the five-yard line. And again, it's a product of them having to worry so much about the run because they were bringing that slot defender solely to stop the run on the perimeter. Because we were attacking the perimeter in the run game. They bring that slot defender to try to slow that down. It frees up Meikle. The safety's supposed to get over on him, but he's on the far hash. There's a blown assignment, blown coverage. And it's a huge 42-yard gain for us. So now we get the ball first and goal. On the next play, uh, Cade Mays, the true freshman, is in there. And him and Solomon Kinley, they clear the way for Holyfield to make a tough run in the end zone to put us up 34-10 and effectively end this game with nine freaking minutes to go in the third quarter. The route is on, and I am loving it. So uh, South Carolina gets the ball back. They're down 24 points now. This is when their fans start leaving in mass. They're gone. They're gone. They they play sandstorm on the kickoff, and this is about when the time when we in, in in the UGA section there in the visitor section when they play sandstorm, we embrace it. We're the ones rolling our hats. We're the ones jumping up and dancing during sandstorm. We have taken that song and made it ours. So they get the ball back. South Carolina, they got the ball. Their second drive of the game on first and 10. DeAndre Walker gives up contain around the left edge, and they pick up six on first down. So it's second and four. Uh, Juwan Taylor on this particular play makes a nice play. has a nice stick on second down right in the hole there. He attacks the hole, fills it well, does what inside linebackers are supposed to do. So I like to see that from Juwan Taylor. Uh, maybe with some more reps, he can become a better player for us. He's, he's, he's improving. He's improving. I'll give him that. So it's third and one, and on this play, just got an outstanding play by Devontae Wyatt at the nose and Michael Barnett at the three-tech def- uh, defensive tackle. Uh, both those guys combined to reset the line of scrimmage and force Rico Dowdle, the ball carrier, to have to bend his run around them. Okay, They kind of push the back and he has to bend around the resetting of the offensive line. Then you have DeAndre Walker setting the edge. All of that combines to allow Natres Patrick and Jawan Taylor to come over the top from the inside linebacker positions to make the tackle for loss on a third and one situation and get the stop. If Deontay Wyatt, if Devontae Wyatt can play like that can more consistently, he might well take some time away from Julian Rochester. Now, Wyatt hasn't done that consistently, but here he I mean he does this perfectly. Uh, show power, show quickness, uh, play with good technique, good leverage. If he can do that a little more consistently and has a little bit more of a motor, then he might start taking some time from Julian Rochester. Rochester's good. He can be good. But he's just he's inconsistent right now. So if Wyatt can show they can be that consistent player in that position, he might start to see some more reps there. So we get the ball back after the big stop on third and one, up 34-10. And now we're just we're just piling on. Uh, we got Swift running for three yards on first down, so it's second and seven. On second and seven, we come out, we run trips to the field. We throw it out to Miko with Charlie Warner and D-Rob blocking for him. He picks up the first down, and, and Jesus Christ, man, Miko Harmon is just so electric. You all know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You've seen it firsthand there. So it's first and 10. Again, we go inside zone. We get major push here. We're just leaning all over the South Carolina defensive front. We've got Solomon Kinley and Cade Mays. Uh, they're, they're getting major push over there on the left side, and Harry and Powers ahead for 10 yards and another first down. And the crazy thing was, we were very vanilla with our running game. As you're listening through this, 
I don't know how many times you've heard me say inside zone, outside zone. We're basically running inside and outside zone all day long against South Carolina. That's about as vanilla as it gets offensively in this day and age. We ran very little ISO, very little power, very very few toss sweeps. And there was one toss sweep in that game. In the, I was at the first drive uh, in, in the first quarter. And there was very little any of that stuff. And we were still able to just flat out dominate them for 271 yards on the ground. Essentially just running inside and outside zone all day long. We didn't have to do anything exotic. We didn't have to. So we were able to do whatever we wanted, being as vanilla as we were. So it's first and 10. Another outstanding effort by, by Brian Harrion with an assist from the offensive line as they push him ahead. He literally, he's literally hit at the line of scrimmage, but he carries the defense forward, just absolutely churning his legs for nine yards. And I love this stuff. I eat this kind of stuff up. Uh, and they clearly, at this point, do not want any of what we have. And I, I just want to give Brian Harry some credit. Right now, he looks like he's the third back, but this guy is not giving in. He's coming out there. Whenever he gets a chance, he is fighting for everything. And I love how he's playing. Uh, obviously, talked up Holyfield a lot last year, and I love what Holyfield has brought to the table this year. But Herring is no slouch himself at all. So after the tough nine-yard run, it's second and one. On this particular play, Caden Mace does a great job stealing the edge. Uh, and Terry Godwin is blocking downfield. Holyfield is able to race down the sideline for 25 yards and leaps ahead to get every last yard he can. These running backs want it, man. They are playing hard. Uh, so another first down there. And on this play, we get just massive movement on the lead play from our left side. This is one of the few plays we ran as, as a running play that was not a uh, inside or outside zone. We got a lead play here. Holyfield just flat out runs over Stephen Montauk, the safety, for six yards. Uh, brings up second and four. We get the ball to Andre Swift, who then picks up the first down, just running all over them right now. Uh, it's another first down. We go with the inside zone, and Swift picks up five more yards on first down. And now it's to the point where we're just kind of bleeding the clock, bleeding the clock. Uh, next play, second and five. We've got Brian Harrion back in. Oh, and this is beautiful, man. If you like offensive line play, then you love this. On this play, Lamont Gilliard, he pancakes the freshman Rick Sandage, who is head up on him. A little bit of payback when Sandage beat him earlier in the game for a tackle for loss. And also, Ben Cleveland able to get to the second level again here. Herring spurts through the hole they create and leaves into the end zone for the 15-yard score. And after this, we essentially call the dogs off. We're up 41-10. We're calling the dogs on both offense and defense as Kirby clearly does not want to run the score up on his old buddy, Will Muschamp. Because let's be real, guys. If we wanted it to, this game could have been 55-10 or worse if we really wanted to wanted it to be. But regardless, the damage is done and the statement has been made. And we're going to stop it right there. We could keep going, but at this point, we're just beating a dead horse. You guys know how it plays out. We just essentially just run the clock out from this point on as we're up 41-10. They're able to attack on a cheap touchdown late and go and get to 41-17. Could have been a lot worse, but hey, it was good enough. So just an outstanding effort by our team all the way around. My nerves proved completely unfounded, and now I'm getting a step closer to kind of ridding myself of that old Mark Rick mentality where we go on the road in big games and just don't play particularly well because we got a new sheriff in town clearly, and uh, the culture has changed in Athens, and I just hope that we can keep this train rolling. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show here. I want to give you guys a little more detail. Look at this South Carolina game since it was such a big win and everything I really wanted, and we'd heard all summer from South Carolina fans how they were talking trash and they were right there with us. They were just as talented as us. And we kept saying, uh, yeah, uh, no, that's just not the case. And clearly, uh, that turned out to be accurate. We were we were right on this one, guys. 
Uh, and it was a good feeling there to kind of shut them up for another year. I'm sure they'll be back next year yapping again because that's just kind of what they do, eternally optimistic because they can't look at their past because historically their past is pretty terrible. All they have is to look forward to the future. But maybe they'll rethink that after this game. We'll see. But uh, I really do appreciate you guys taking time to listen to the show here. Again, if you enjoy this show, enjoy this type of talk, please subscribe to us on Podbean. Just go to our, our Twitter page, at Glory underscore UGA. Click on the link there. It'll take you right to our Podbean page. You click on the Buy Now button, and it takes you about a minute to enter in all your information, and you will have access to all of our premium content. We wanted to make this one free for everybody to kind of give you a little bit of sample of what you get for our premium content. But moving forward, all these types of shows will be exclusive for our subscribers on Podbean. So, again, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll be back later in the week to uh, preview the Week 3 game. But uh, I would say for Curtis, I'm Tyler, but Curtis not here. So, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.